Hi everyone and welcome back to the Practicology Podcast. This is episode 73 with uh, Josh Smith. We've had him on the show for a couple episodes already in a little mini-series on anxiety. In episode 69, he talked to us about anxiety awareness and uh, just exposed us to how common it is and hopefully removed a little of the stigma that we might have in acknowledging to others that we struggle with it too. And then in episode 71, he did some anxiety analysis, helped us understand why it's so prominent today and pointed out some features that might be contributing to the uptick of cases of anxiety in the day that we live in. And that helps us too, kind of gives us some initial thoughts on paths to recovery and and to perseverance through it. But really excited about this episode uh, because Josh is going to take us a little deeper into some anxiety answers and uh, maybe speak a little more directly to how we can endure and and get through this problem. So, uh, Josh, welcome back to Practicology. Michael, thank you again for having me. Um, I I don't think I mentioned this in previous podcasts, but um, I have personally benefited from this Practicology podcast uh, myself and listening to some of the uh, very practical suggestions, even dating back, I think, honestly, to the first episode. I think it was the first one where you had even given some practical insight and wisdom. It was either you or Matthew, and it talked about even the way that uh, people set up their their seating arrangements in their living room and pointing towards uh, maybe a television and instead pointing it towards one another. And so I just want to say thank you for hosting this podcast and giving uh, this important practical issue of anxiety a platform on which um, people can now hopefully feel more comfortable in, in in getting some help. So thank you again for this privilege of being on the Practicology Podcast. Well, you're welcome, Josh, and I appreciate the testimonial from you. I think that must have been maybe episode five or six or seven, a little bit later on when we talked about bringing the gospel home, but, uh, but really impressed that you'd remember way back to those early days. And speaking of testimonials, I wanted to actually lead off uh, this final episode with you on anxiety with a, a little review that was written in on, onto the, for, for the podcast. Uh, it's written from a dear sister, and she writes this just a few weeks ago. She writes, as a stay-at-home mom, struggling daily with depression and anxiety, this podcast often is a life draft that keeps my head above water as I continue to learn and trust that solid rock that will never move. The waves of despair may keep tearing me down, but I am learning that my foundation is firm. I will not, I cannot be broken. Thank you so much, dear sister, for writing those words and helping us tune in to to where people are at emotionally, often when they hear things like this. And uh, Josh, can you just take it from there? What, what, What are some things that you have in your heart to share with us today? that can help us and can help this sister, can help many, many brothers and sisters like her uh, do daily battle with anxiety and depression and so on. Yeah, and I appreciate that that testimony. And I'm going to read one here too in just a moment. Uh, I, I am just thankful as you're reading those words and as you were doing your introduction to just know that we have a God who cares and know, to know that we have a God who not only cares, but actually offers solutions. When Jesus was uh, giving his Sermon on the Mount, he said, you know, be anxious for nothing or do not be anxious. And, uh, you know, he's, our God is one who understands our practical needs in every aspect of life. And he cares 
and he doesn't leave us in it and he does offer us solutions. And I'm just thankful that we have a God and, and the word of God, which teaches us about these specific things. So if there's any just general encouragement, it is go to the Lord with your needs. We've already talked in previous episodes about bearing one another's burdens and reaching out to others. But of course, reach out to the Lord, be sincere in prayer, and then look at his word. And that's what we're going to do here in a few minutes is look at Philippians 4 and a couple of verses there. So if you're listening right now and you can, you're not driving or anything like that, um, you could open your Bible to Philippians 4 and we're going to read a couple of verses there. I'd like to share this testimony um, from another sister um, that I've used in a previous presentation on this. And I think it's quite insightful in again, reminding people that this is very real, but also that there is a very real hope, which we're going to talk about today. So here it is. She says, I've been on a journey. I didn't go far from home, but returning has taken me years. I was lost, alone, and deeply afraid. But worst of all, I was unaware. I was trudging through the vast unknown, blindfolded and terrified of the monsters I couldn't see. Hope was gone. Love was lost. Life seemed to drone on devoid of emotion, and I hated myself. But I kept pushing on, attempting to create some sense of stability. One day I couldn't move any further. Wave after wave of fear and sickness hit me, leaving me immobile. Control seemed to have hidden itself with hope, and I lay waiting for someone to help me. It was there that I found him waiting patiently for me to take off the blindfold and look him in the eye, speaking about about Jesus and, in a sense, God. He took my hand and led me through the same vast unknown I had been circling for years, except it looked different now. With his hand in mine, the monsters didn't seem so frightening. The path was clearer, and in the distance, I could see the clouds breaking. As we walked, he spoke truth to me that pierced the lies that swarmed my tired mind. He told me that I am his and he is mine. He called me chosen, loved, beautiful, and known. When I stumbled, he caught me and held me in his arms. I'd like to say that I've made it back home, but I still have some ground to make up. Losing control was one of the most terrifying yet freeing experiences of my life. I lost control just to find that I never had it anyways. Depression and anxiety are real. Your feelings are real. If you're struggling with mental illness, know that you're not alone. There are people who understand and a God who is ready and willing to help you through. Don't lose hope. How's that for a testimony? Wow. Wow. So well and beautifully put. And I just keep thinking of how we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, Mm -hmm. but who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So yes, praise God for her. This this uh, sister's testimony that the Lord met her and at the end of her rope, he met her and brought her through. Uh, mm-hmm. Praise God for that. Yeah. And I, and I think we'll be real precise in, in how we talk about this too, because I, I do think that we can say with reality that, that the Lord Jesus experienced in some form anxiety, right? And in that sense, we're not alone and he can understand. Now, I think we should be precise because there are some ways in which he did not experience anxiety from, um, we'll say, from a, a wrong way of thinking. Does that kind of make sense? 
Yeah. Uh, so, Josh, does this kind of tie up with the question of whether a- every form of anxiety is sinful or not, I guess, right? Yes, that, that's exactly what I'm getting at. So in no way was the Lord Jesus ever sinful in the way that he um, experienced um, anxiety, right? So there are ways in which it is a sin, and I'm going to address that right now. So one of the ways that anxiety is a sin is if you make everything in life about yourself in a self-centered way, right? So we, we actually doubt God's providence and doubt God's sovereignty and choose to make um, every aspect of life uh, about myself or, or that I want to control. And we're, in fact, resisting God's uh, control over our lives. So in that sense, anxiety can be a sin. But there's also a sense in which God created us with, with normal reactions to uncertain situations where we might have an initial reaction that might be anxious, which is appropriate. So, for example, if you were walking down the street of uh, what, what town do you live in, Michael? Austin, Manitoba. So if you were to walk downtown Austin, Manitoba, I have no idea how big of a city that is. And you were walking and it was two in the morning and some very large uh, men were approaching who did not look like they had kind intentions. And your heart rate started to increase and your hands got a little sweaty. And you started to notice that you were, your adrenaline was going, right? Um, that's not a sin. That's a God-given reaction to a dangerous situation where you're either going to, to run or, or fight or sometimes freeze, right? Yeah, it'd probably be unhealthy if I didn't experience some anxiety in, in yeah. the form that you're describing there. What, right? That's the way God made me. And it's good that I'm functioning that way in that case. Yeah. And, and I'm just curious which one of those three you would do. Do you think you'd run, fight, or freeze? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, thankfully, I, no, I don't think I've been in that exact situation, but probably run. I'm, I've, been, I've been running a lot, so I feel like I'd have a pretty good chance against those big guys. Yeah, I'd... <laughs> I would run too. I'm, I'm more of a Usain Bolt than a Conor McGregor. So <laughs> I'd, I'd be out of there. But uh, so those, those kind of reactions are normal, right? We, those are God-given reactions. But the problem comes in if we start reacting that way to every scenario and, you know, we overwhelm our, our responses. So uh, the Lord Jesus did, however, experience some senses in which um, if you think about the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane there was a, uh, there was some uncertainty there, right? There was uh, a point in which he knew what was going to happen to him, but he had never yet fallen under the consequences of sin. And there was a sense in which I would suggest that he, that that was uncertain for him and that he had never been punished for sin before, right? And there was a sense in which that was a, a lonely feeling, perhaps. Um, and again, we're careful in how we think about the Lord Jesus because we want to speak accurately um, but I think it would be appropriate to say that those were moments of loneliness in the garden. And when he was forsaken, it was a very lonely time. And uh, again, just not knowing what lay in front of him there in the garden um, with the specifics of the suffering, I think we could say that he was anxious. What is, do you feel like that's an accurate statement? Well, uh, I mean, I think I'm like you. I, we, we just all sense that we have to be really careful how we talk with the Garden of Gethsemane. But uh, for me, I, I don't know that I would frame it so much as he didn't know what would happen, but he he did know what would happen, and that's why he felt so distressed. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew he knew all that was about to take place, 
and where I totally agree with you is is that it was an incredibly emotionally uh, taxing experience where uh, I think we can say he he experienced anxiety. He was distressed. He fell to the ground. He sweat. Mm-hmm. Has it worked? Great drops of blood. Uh, to, to, to me, he's gone deeper into those waters than any of us will mm-hmm. ever go into. And so he can totally identify with us. And yet, as you're saying, Josh, he, he did all this without sinning in any mm-hmm. fashion, right? I think you stated that better than, than I was, than I did. And I think we're on the same page there. And I, uh, Again, I think he there was there was a sense in which he knew everything that was going to take place, right? Um, I I do think that there may be in some way from an experiential standpoint that he had not yet, um, I guess, come under the weight of the consequences of sin. And so, although he could anticipate that, um, I'm not sure if you know if there was an understanding of what that meant and that could have caused some anxiety, but. Um, Again, I think it's it's important that we think these things through before we yeah. make like authoritative statements on it, right? Um, but I, yeah, you know, you're, I, you're you're right that he knew he was about to experience things that he had never experienced right. before. Yeah. And I so I, I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, yeah. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to look at um, one example of what you might come away with if you were to go to a Christian counselor. So what we've done is we've got our feet wet in episode one. We're aware that people struggle with anxiety. In episode two, we looked at some of the broader reasons as to why anxiety may be on the upswing or the uptick. And now we're going to look at some solutions. So what would happen if you went to a good Christian counselor? Or what would happen if you talked with a trusted friend or an overseer that was, I guess, skilled or gifted to help in this in this way? I want to share with you something that, that would be uh, I would suggest would be helpful for anyone going through um, difficulties and anxieties. A good Christian counselor will use Christian principles, but should also use scripture as you go through things, right? Because what we believe is based on, on the word of God. So if we looked at Philippians 4, uh, one of the areas in the New Testament that deals directly with anxiety. So I'm just going to read a few verses and we'll make some comments and, and, and go from there. So verse 4 of chapter 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. So there's that word anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we could go on into verse 8 and focus on these are things that you should think about or, or should be on your mind, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, any questions about those verses as we read them or anything that comes into your mind, Michael, before we dive in? Well, I, I remember a sister telling me, I think I was speaking on one of these anxiety passages, and she said, just so you know, every time I hear someone say the word anxiety, my anxiety spikes. <laughs> so... Uh, I guess one thing I'll be looking for for this conversation to maybe help with Josh at some point is, is yeah, what about the person who reads this verse and actually their anxiety deepens because they feel that they are regularly, daily sinning against God because they just cannot seem to, you know, enter into that peace that they believe uh, they need to enter into in order to be sinless in this area. 
Yeah, so you hear those words of the Apostle Paul and, and the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount where they say, do, you know, do not be anxious. And you're thinking, I am anxious, so I must be in the wrong, right? Is that yeah, what I must be sinning. That? I must be sinning. Yeah, yeah. I'm, breaking, yeah. I'm breaking God's word, basically. Yeah. yeah, so what we want to do is work on that so it happens less frequently. And when it does happen, there's less intensity. Those would be like goals within your counseling sessions. We want to make that happen less frequently and less intensity and less intensity when it does happen. Um, so what we want to do is look at these verses and kind of talk through what what we can do in those anxious moments. Um, it seems like an oversimplistic statement, doesn't it? Like the Apostle Paul just says, "Do not be anxious," and you're like, "Well, if it was that easy, I would just choose not to be anxious, and it wouldn't be a problem." But as we can see from these verses, he's going to go on and explain some more things. And even um, leading up to these verses, there's even more important things that could be discussed. But for sake of time, we'll just start there where he says, do not be anxious. So again, that could be kind of frightening. Well, what if I am? So that's that's important because that this is step number one. It's implied in this verse that you, the listener or the person who is struggling with anxiety, that you are aware of it right? You have to be aware of your anxiety in order to say uh, it's a problem or I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling this heaviness. And that is your awareness that you have the anxiety, right? So the first thing, the first step would be be aware of the anxiety. And the sooner that you can be aware of your anxiety, the better, because we don't want to get to the end of two weeks of hand wringing and worry and stress and go, wow, I've been anxious for a long time now. We want to become aware of it more often. Yeah, Josh. And and, I mean, a little, I think you alluded to this, but a little comfort I take from this is that Paul, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit know that we are going to be anxious, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like they, they understand that Christians going through this broken world through many trials and tribulations are going to suffer from anxiety. And so they've uh, prepared something for us to help us with this. I I take a lot of comfort from that. Absolutely. So the first step there is to be aware of it. Be aware that you're anxious. And the first thing you want to do is you want to acknowledge it and acknowledge it in prayer. So as you become aware, okay, I'm dealing with anxiety, I'm feeling overwhelmed. The first thing you want to do is just say, okay, you know, I am, uh, I'm going to pray about it. And I'm not going to immediately just just turn into that fight or flight mode that we were talking about before and turn it into this gigantic mountain that we have to overcome. We just become aware of it. It's called floating instead of fighting. And you just kind of, you're aware of it, right? You recognize it and you pray about it. So that's step number one. You become aware that you're anxious. And then steps number two and three happen almost simultaneously but we want to be very precise in, in, in this part. So we're aware of the anxiety. And then what we read in verse six is we're going to, we're going to say this very forcefully, but simpli- and maybe simplistically, but that is don't be actually stop the thought, right? Determine in your mind, intentionally decide I am going to not be anxious right now. And you're aware of it. And then you stop it. Uh, again, Michael, I'm sure it's like, well, well, it's not quite that easy because if I could just do that, then we wouldn't have any problems here, but it is important. And that's, that's what this verse is saying. It says, don't be, don't be anxious. I had one person, I wouldn't recommend this myself, but I, I was seeing one counselor from my own anxiety and he told me to address it out loud. 
Like, even if you're in a public place, like say, stop it to my anxiety. And I'm like, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to stay in public and like re- rebuke my anxiety out loud. But you get the point, right? We, we actually s- s- like internally, we say to ourselves, no, I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to be anxious. Does that make sense, Michael? It does make sense, Josh. I'm, I'm personally a little bit skeptical um, because I know how hard it is to chase my own thoughts and yeah. demons away, you know, but yeah. you, you keep going. Cause you're, you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm probably the one that needs to sit in the counseling room for a bit and get some help with these things. No. So you just keep going and maybe we'll come back to some of this at the end too. No, it's good. It, that's a good point though, because you know, it, it doesn't just stop there and that's not where the verses stop either, but it is part of the process. It's an acknowledgement of the anxiety and then, uh, intentional, no, I'm not going to allow myself to go there. But like you're saying, if you try to say to, to, to not think about something, what do you end up usually doing? Usually, thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, you usually end up thinking about it. So if I say, don't think about a pink elephant, don't think about a pink elephant, don't think you're going to think about a pink elephant. So you can't just stop a thought without doing something else along with it, which is step number three. And that's why I said the steps two and three go hand in hand, but they're very precise. So just to back up, aware of the anxiety, number, step number two, choose not to be anxious, intentionally not, you know, stop the thought. And then step number three, it is to replace with prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything by prayer and supplication with, and this is important, with thanksgiving. So that's where it quickly turns into something else. So you don't just stop a thought and then leave a vacuum there or leave an emptiness there because more anxiety will fill that empty spot. But we specifically have things in mind that we can pray about, that we can, um, like this verse says, be in prayer and be in supplication. But here's a super important one. It says, with thanksgiving. Now, I'm sure you've heard this before, both, both you, Michael, and the listener, that you can't be thankful and worried at the same time what kind of reactions does that make you have like i remember just stopping for a moment myself when i first heard that and going like you know that makes sense it is it is incongruent you can't put those two things together they can't happen at the same time so when paul says through the guidance of the holy spirit that we should be uh, instead of being anxious we replace the anxiety with the prayer and specifically supplication with thanksgiving. So being thankful is one of the best ways to combat the anxiety. And part of that is reframing the way that we think. And again, a good counselor should be able to walk you through some of these things. So for example, when I had cancer, it was very difficult. Uh, It was tremendously hard. But at the same time, there were ways to look at it that were actually quite a blessing, both now and then, um, in that it teaches, for example, it teaches you lessons on, on how important every day is. And time spent with your children is not just a chore or something that has to be done or should be done, but a privilege and an opportunity. And it's something you, you get to do, not something you have to do. And so you can, you can see how by framing it in a different light, something completely negative like cancer and 
chemotherapy uh, and, and difficulties related to health can actually teach you positive things. Yeah. So if I could summarize uh, what you just said there, Thanksgiving helps us with our anxiety, but maybe we could also say anxiety helps us with our Thanksgiving, right? Like when I've come through times of stress and, and so on, as you just said, like I suddenly feel when I actually get my heart and mind renewed by the Holy Spirit and I come to terms with God, I enter into a, a life of Thanksgiving where I'm experiencing gratitude for the little things of life that maybe I used to take for granted. Mm-hmm. So, and what we've just done is we've gone through one example of what you might find in a, in a Christian counseling setting that would specifically deal with anxiety. Now, that is not a one-size-fits-all um, approach that would fit every single issue with anxiety. Like we talked about in the first episode, there's a continuum, there's mild, there's severe, there's everything in between. And so, this is not like a, a one-size-fits-all it's also not the kind of thing where you could listen to this podcast and walk away and say, I'm healed. I will never worry again. Um, it's not like a light switch that you turn on and off. For many of us, it's a process and it's a continual, intentional way of thinking where when the worry comes in, we're aware of it, we stop it, we replace with prayer, and then we focus on Thanksgiving. Um, that's just one of the many tools a Christian counselor could, could help you with. Well, that's really helpful, Josh. And maybe I, I'd like to just come back to a question that I sort of led you off with. And and that was, you know, so let's come back to the beginning of the passage where Paul says, um, do not be anxious about anything. And uh, again, I, I come to life with a very sensitive consci- conscience and sort of a very scrupulous approach to my faith, you know, and like, I gotta, I gotta be doing everything. I gotta be obeying everything. And so with, with my mindset and, and like the word of God is the word of God, it's black and white. He says, don't be anxious about anything. If I'm anxious about anything, I am therefore disobeying the Bible and sinning. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, as you (laughs) would understand that immediately does not help my anxiety, but actually makes it worse because now guilt is mingled into the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and eventually, um, <clears throat> when people are allowed to flounder in these waters long enough, and if they have mm-hmm. the wrong voices, aka Job's friends in mm-hmm. their lives, mm-hmm. they can actually begin to question whether they're even saved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, and, and Josh, I think you, uh, so I want to say something that, that hopefully would help people with this a little wee bit. And I think yeah. I think I've heard you say something to the same effect. And, and that is that we do need to understand that some of Scripture's imperatives, you know, its, its commands are, are more comforting than commanding, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you still hold this to this view, but I, I really do believe that the Lord Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount and Paul in this passage, it's, it's less like a military captain coming home and barking at his kids, don't be anxious. Right. And it's far more a loving father or a loving mother, you know, coming to her child's room the the day before the first day of swimming lessons or something and saying, don't, don't be anxious, Mm -hmm. sweetie, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll be there and you'll be fine. And the lifeguard, you know, like, you know, you're some instructor and things like that. Right. And so Paul and Lord Jesus are coming to us and saying, look at here, here is actually the pathway out of your anxiety. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't let this verse ratchet up your anxiety. Mm -hmm. Rather we offer you, a little four-step process, as you've outlined, a little process that you can take 
mm-hmm. to bring your anxiety in and leave with a lot less of it on the way out. Mm-hmm. That's a really great way of saying it. And I do still agree with that. I think I took it from another person um, and borrowed it from them, but it's the example of the father coming home or not coming home, but in the middle of the night, the child wakes up and they're, they're crying in their room. They had a bad dream. And, and like you said, the father walks into the room and just announces, do not be anxious. And the kid's like, okay, now I'm more anxious. But it's more of a, hey, you know, it's going to be okay. Don't, don't be anxious. Don't be worried about that. Um, and, and honestly, like read Romans 7, right? Paul is frustrated with himself. And he's saying, the things I don't want to do, I'm doing them. And the things that I want to do, I'm not doing them. And so I think, you know, the Holy Spirit is aware and God is aware. Apostle Paul was aware, as we've been saying, that, that we're not perfect. We're going to have areas that we need to uh, to clean up and to fix. And and we will not ever completely fix all things in our lives until that moment that we are glorified and we're with the Lord and we're like Him. And that's part of what we look forward to in heaven is to be with the Lord and to have every desire, no more anxiety, all per- all focus, all desire, all attention is given to the glory of God and the person of Jesus Christ. And that's going to be an amazing time that we look forward to. And that should give us some, some hope and peace too, that God is not only, God has not only won the battle with sin, but God is going to win the battle with all of our worries and with all of our anxieties and the problems that we have. Now, I, I was enjoying this this week because I had, I had kind of a stressful week with some things at work and, and different things that were going on. And I was praying in the morning, and I and uh, and I also don't want to make this sound like I'm Mister Spiritual either, Michael. But I was I was praying in the morning, and uh, I started kind of putting my problems out there, and um, I thought to myself, "This has got to be a pretty small problem for God." Mm-hmm. Like with everything that He's got going on, and all of His purposes being worked out, and all of history, and and the world itself spinning, and gravity, and all the things that I don't understand. Um, all those things working together by him, all things consist. And even down to the way our human bodies work with our brains and our, our hearts and all these things that God has his hands on and he's working perfectly. And I think, you know, my problems that I'm so stressed about, although God is very caring, he must think, well, you know, that's, that's kind of a small thing for me, right? I can handle that. Yeah. Uh, we, it's, it's again, just that perspective, right? Reframing things and I read with the kids this week about uh, Elisha, you know, and they're surrounded by the Syrians and he's praying, God, please open my servant's eyes so he can see reality. There's a whole host of fiery chariots of the Lord's army and we are totally safe here. And we, we just need the scriptures, as you say, to mm-hmm. uh, open our minds to the true reality. True reality is the worst thing that can happen to me is that I die and I'll be immediately ushered into the presence of my savior. Amen. That is amazing. Yeah. And, and so what we've done is we've gone through just one example. You can look at different examples in the New Testament um, about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxieties on Him, uh, researching, uh, reading through, studying what the Lord Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, there's there's practical things we can do too, things like, honestly, deep breathing. We're not talking about some uh, strange meditation. We're just talking about taking a moment and taking a deep breath. It, it is, it's okay to do that. It's okay to um, have some quiet time, to take intentional breaks from social media, to write out your concerns, to talk out what's going on, 
to make sure you're eating right, sleeping right, exercising appropriately. All those things are pieces of the puzzle. And of course, the most foundational, biggest piece of the puzzle are the spiritual things that we've been kind of talking about and working through. Amen, amen, amen. We are embodied people, right? And and so things like diet, nutrition, exercise, sunlight, and time with other people, opening up our mouths and letting ourselves hear us pour our hearts out to a trusted friend. Uh, all of these things are just little, but in themselves, I believe, very therapeutic. And the amazing thing, Josh, is that that same thing is an activity we can do with our with our God. Mm-hmm. And a verse that means a lot to me about this is Psalm 119. And in the Dalit section, the psalmist says, my soul clings to the dust. He's in the midst of depression. Um, but he says, he says to God, he says, when I told of my ways, you answered me. And so I think this is where you began the episode. We have a father and a high priest who's willing to hear us. And when we pour out our hearts to the Father and to the Son, they hear us and they answer us uh, fr- from their word. They respect us. So very thankful uh, for that. Um, I just want to give a shout out to an uh, author named Matthew Lapine. Mm-hmm. Uh, his book on the logic of the body has really helped me. It's a, it's a demanding book. Um, mm-hmm. But the final chapter, I think it is, touches on Matthew 6 and Philippians 4. And he uh, does a lot of really good exegesis is the big word for it just showing the contextual clues that we are meant to interpret this not so much as a you know mount sinai commandment Mm -hmm. thou shalt not Mm -hmm. but more as a shepherding uh word of invitation and and comfort do you have any final words josh as we close off the episode similar to what you just described i would like to put some resources out there that are helpful um again just if you want to look at some some literature some reading uh, there is, uh, it's a book called The Pastor and Counseling. It was written in 2015, and I would totally butcher the names of the authors. Um, but if you Googled The Pastor and Counseling, it's a book from Nine Marks, um, which is a respectable site. That is, uh, that is a good one, both for understanding what's going on, but also if you wish to help other people. Uh, there is a very heavy, I would say demanding read, similar to what you described, called Spiritual Depression by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Not an easy read, but can be very helpful. Um, There is uh, a website called Alive to Thrive by Focus on the Family. They have a lot of good information and resources. Um, And then I would just say there's uh, another book I, I highly recommend. I've talked to several Christians who were helped by this book. It's not a Christian book. It is not written by a Christian author, but it does help. Um, and so it's called Untangle Your Anxiety. And I just wanted to preface that with the, the knowledge that, again, it's not a Christian writer. However, the things you can take from it are very practical and helpful. The final one I would say is anything written by um, Ed Welch. Ed Welch is a Christian psychologist and counselor. Um, he's a very good writer. And, and almost anything that he's going to produce is going to be worth your time in reading as well. Thank you, Josh, for those resources. And of course, you've already provided us three resources in in that you've given three episodes with Practicology. So thank you very, very much for your time. Appreciate the Lord's work in your life, uh, bringing you through, and I know it's a process, bringing you through some struggles in this area. And uh, because of that, you're able to share very helpfully 
with us as well. Can I just add one quick resource as well? It's a short little teeny book called Spurgeon Sorrows by Zach Eswine, I think is his name. Very, very beautifully written and helpful. And of course, don't neglect the Psalms. Praying through the Psalms Mm. is a wonderful way to deal with these Mm -hmm. matters as well. All right. Well, that's everything for this episode and for this series. Just want to finish by that testimony that you read from the sister. She talked about that day when we will be home and uh, all our anxious lines on our face will be replaced with lines of joy, with gladness, with smiles forever. Let's uh, persevere through Christ's grace until that day. God bless everyone. Mm -hmm.